we're 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 uh, working from the uh, uh, book of Micah, chapter six, verse seven and eight. And we've been in there now for a couple of weeks, and we're going to be there a little longer. It's interesting to me uh, how life has how life in the Word for us has changed. And the Lord said some uh, time back that He was going to mature us as a church and as a body; that He was taking us to new places of maturity. And in that process, I've noticed that when I used to teach uh, with long outlines with uh, with just. 30, 40 scriptures, passages of scriptures that I was referring to and various things. And, and now God has just narrowed that down. And he said, let me give you a few passages and let's go deeper. And that's what's happening. So I've, I've never been one to take one passage of scripture and preach from that passage of scripture for six or eight weeks. And how God is unpacking some of the details for us and some of the deep things of God. So let's, let's be willing to go there. And let's be willing to let the word affect change in our lives. This, this is what's happening in the body of Christ. God is changing us for the better. Well, he's already changed me so much. And I'm so much better than I... Hallelujah. Better than I was, but ain't what I need to be. Yet. Right? So the word continually changes us. So uh, this is what uh, Micah 6 says in verse 7 and 8. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of, uh, um, of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for, a tra- for, for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So it's a rhetorical question that says, will sacrifices really please the Lord? Then he says... He has shown you. Imagine the prophet standing uh, uh, before the leaders of a nation and making this declaration. You continue to sacrifice and you continue to do the religious stuff and you continue to pour out the oil and you continue to to, uh, kill the fatted ram. But, But you know what God requires. He's shown you, oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require? Do justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. So last last week we talked about doing uh, uh, justly. And this week I just want to talk to you a little bit about loving mercy. And so uh, in order to do that, I want us to just uh, talk about why, first of all, why we should love mercy. Clearly God told us to. That's a good why, just obeying the Lord, but, but there's more to it. I think if we understand the reason behind loving mercy, that it will actually help us to be more merciful. Some of y'all need to be merciful. And there's some Christians running around out there that are just uptight. And the last thing that ever comes out of their character is Mercy. And the the world is offended at the church because of our judgments and the mishandling of them with our bad attitudes. (laughs) And I'm I'm not talking about you particularly. I'm just talking about in general. Can I make those generalizations and you not get easily offended? Amen? Don't get mad at the... I'm just the messenger. Don't get mad at me. Um, The Old Testament, they stoned those messengers. Please don't do that. Uh, But anyway, listen... Mercy is the character of God. 
Lamentations 3, 22 and 24 says, His compassions do not fail. See the tie between mercy and compassion. Mercy should produce compassion in you. If you're merciful, you'll be compassionate. We see in the character of Jesus as he walked in the earth that he, was, he continually did great works in the kingdom. He wasn't doing works for work's sake. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. I believe that we're to become a church in the days ahead that is so moved with compassion that we are easily moved with compassion through the mercies of God that do not fail. When we walk into a situation and we know that in that situation the mercies of God should be poured out and his mercies uh, fail not, that we would become the, the channels of compassion so that the mercies of God could be shown in that situation, whatever it is. So his compassions do not fail. His mercies are new every morning. And I've prayed that over my life many, many times. I've prayed it over my life many times. Oh, God, I need your mercy. I was a mess yesterday. The Lord goes, let's, let's get on with it today. Come on, son, let's walk, right? And then uh, Proverbs 11 and 17 says, the merciful, man, the merciful man does good for his own soul. If you are merciful, it's good for your mind, your will, and your emotions. You being merciful builds you up. Why be merciful? You being merciful helps you. It's amazing to think about helping someone else and how helping someone else helps you. But the Bible tells us it's even better to give than to receive. That there's more joy in the giving than in the receiving. There's more blessing in the giving than in the receiving. So he says, a merciful man does good for his own soul. He builds himself up. He strengthens himself through mercy. Merciful to others. But, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. He brings trouble back on himself. I want you to think about when, when we're injured and we become bit embittered and, and that cruelty, that bitterness produces never hurts the person we're bitter against. It only hurts the bitter person. It only hurts the broken person. It doesn't hurt the person who broke them, who injured them. It only continues to pain the injured. So a merciful man does good. He brings healing to his own soul. I always tell myself whenever I get discouraged and when I'm frustrated, when I'm going through a hard time, and, and, and sometimes I go to the Lord and I talk to the Lord about it, and he'll say, get your mind on someone else. Get your attention on, on helping someone else. And the minute you begin to pour into other lives, all of a sudden your stuff doesn't seem so bad. It's perspective there. Mercy is good for your soul. So then um, Proverbs 3, 3 through 4 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Don't let go of it. Don't let mercy and truth, don't let go of it. Do not let it forsake you. Do not let it move from you. Do not let mercy be distanced from you. Bind them around your neck instead of that burden you're carrying. Oh, that was free. Write them on the tablets of your heart. He didn't, say, he didn't just say write truth. Truth, uh, the letter kills. 
Just letter. You write, you write all the do's and don'ts on your heart. Even though they're true, they, without mercy, without the, the, the spirit of Christ, without the spirit of God, without the character of God associated with those things, they just become letters to you. So he combines mercy with truth. And he says, when you're writing truth upon your heart, write it with mercy. Write mercy there as well. Bind it around your neck and on the tablets of your heart. And so, listen, find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. The Bible said of Jesus that he found favor with God and man. Saints of God... The Bible does say be well when everybody speaks well of you. Somebody's always going to not like what you're doing and they're going to have something to say about it. But in reality, the majority of people that you come across are supposed to have something good to say about you. You're supposed to find favor with God and favor with man. You do that through mercy. Mercy gets people's attention. You want them to see Jesus in you? Mercy. Not harshness, mercy. You see someone doing something they shouldn't do, you go, well, I never. No, you never. Mercy. Mercy. Find high esteem. Imagine the word of God telling us this is how you find high esteem in the mind of God. Merciful. Isn't that good? Uh, Proverbs 14, 31 says, He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, frustrates his maker. Bring, we, we call ourselves a believer, and then we don't act like a believer. We reproach our maker. But he who honors him has mercy on the needy. Wow, isn't that good? Go ahead. Go back one just for a minute. That's why we should love mercy. It's the reason that the scripture tells us to love mercy. Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm sorry, I'm frustrating her this morning. So what drives mercy? Let me read something to you. Ephesians 2 and 4. But God, who is rich in mercy. I'm going to tell you something. If God's rich in mercy, you ought to be rich in mercy. Because of his great love. So we just answered our question. God who is rich in mercy because of love. The Bible says faith works by love. Well, here the scripture tells us that mercy also works by love. God who is rich in mercy because of his love toward us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, even when we were far from him, even when our heart was, our attention was not on God and our heart was far from him. How many of you have had God pursue you? You're here because he pursued you. I'm not here because I was looking for God. I'm here because he found me. I was the lost sheep. He found me. So may God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, uh, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised you up and seated you together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
that in the ages to come, I love this passage of scripture. Lord, let this just saturate our hearts right now as we read it for that we, we've read it uh, hundreds of times before. But that in the, he seated us there when we were his enemy. He made place for us when we were against him. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Mercy. Mercy poured out. Mercy will produce action. Love drives mercy. God is rich in mercy. Oh, saints of God, help us. God, help us, Holy Spirit, to become rich in mercy. So now we've talked about why We've talked about what drives mercy. Let's take the next couple of minutes and talk about how we can love mercy. We need to become like Jesus. You're never going to get that perfect. There's always something, always something coming out of my mouth. My wife says, really? You want me to agree with that? You really need to stop saying that. You're not building anything up. You're tearing things down. I love that woman. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and your spouse. Delbert said amen really loud. I heard him. I heard him. And it didn't come out of his mouth, but it blew through his head, man. He's like, oh, my God. Mercy is driven by love. So we have to talk about love. To move into mercy, we have to talk about love. And in John chapter 13, Jesus told the disciples, he said, love one another as I have loved you. If you're going to learn mercy for the world around us, you've got to learn mercy right here in this house. You've got to learn mercy in your love for one another and for the, your treatment of one another. And for your, you know, when somebody walks through that door that, that would, would otherwise rub you the wrong way. Ooh, I get to use an example from a conversation this morning. Roger, you are in trouble. I walked to that front door this morning, and Brenda was out there talking to those greeters, and she said, Roger, it's just amazing how much I used to not like you and, and how much you used to rub me the wrong way, but, but how that after I have uh, fallen in love with you because of Jesus and because of, of the Spirit of God that I see in you. And, and then I told Brenda, that's all right, we all felt that way. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes on Tuesday nights, Roger is just the, what do they call that, the butt of the joke? Roger's just the, 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 we just laugh and we tease him so much and he's so gracious to us because the character of God that that's resides in him and I, I love you, brother, uh, but thank you for letting me pick on you. But Jesus said to the disciples, love one another as I have loved you. What a great example. Love one another as I have loved you. He gave himself. Husbands, you know how you're supposed to love your wife? You're supposed to be willing to die for them. That means you, sometimes your plans have to die so theirs can live. Sometimes you have to let your dreams sit on the back burner so that you can fan the flame of, of her desire and her vision and her hope and her dream. 
Jesus died so you could live. And he tells you to love her. I didn't know I was going to preach on marriage. He tells you to love her like he loved the church and gave himself for it. And, but then the reason that we say that is because the Bible says that those marriages are an example to the church and to the believer of the relationship that Christ has with his church. Died for you so you could live, so you could dream, so you could expand, so you could have success, so you could have the kingdom of God flow through you, so that you could lay hands on the sick and they could be healed, so that you could do greater works. And if you're full of compassion and moved into mercy, the kingdom of God will advance in your neighborhood, in your house, in your extended family, in your workplace. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, chapter 13 talks about spiritual gifts and all this kind of stuff. We can do all these powerful things that we have at our disposal as believers. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, but I don't care what you can do, follow the way of love. I don't care how much you can do. If you don't love, you're just a noisemaker. I told those uh, the guys, I, we were in church all weekend. I told the guys I was teaching yesterday, if, if you don't have love, you, you're just a noisemaker, and I can buy one of those at the 98-cent store. They're $1.25 now, but I can buy them <laughs> at the 98-cent store. Follow the way of love. What Jesus is saying, I'd rather you love than prophesy. I'd rather you love than, than be able to heal someone. I'd rather you love than anything else. Uh, follow the way of love. You learn that at home and you learn that here before you can learn it out there. First John 4 and 20, he asks a question. How can you love God who you've not seen if you can't who, look, love your brother, you're looking in the face. How can you love God who you've not seen if you can look down the row or across the table at someone you can't love? And I've just discovered something, because there's a lot of people who rub me the wrong way. I mean, I'm human, right? But I've discovered if you pray for somebody and you ask God to bless them, and you begin to understand his view of them, you will, you can't help but love them. You will see the image of God in them. You will see the work of God in their life. You will see the purpose and the plan of God for them. You'll see God's desire for them. And you'll look at somebody who the rest of the world is trying to throw away. And you'll see their potential. And you will love them because he loves them. I love when we begin to see each other through our God potential rather than through our mistakes and our errors. See me through my God potential, not through my flaky, crackpot ideas. <laughs> mistakes and errors and weaknesses and frustrations. See me the way God sees me. See you the way God sees you. See that spouse the way God sees them. Then Galatians 6 1 says, When you see someone that way, be quick to restore. That's the mercy part. It provokes a response. 
Mercy provokes a response. If we really believe this word, it provokes a response. We can't just listen to good teaching and go, oh, that was wonderful. Just bless me. I got Holy Ghost goosebumps and go away unchanged. The word of God provokes a response. The love of God provokes a response. His mercy toward us provokes a response of mercy in us and through us to others. Lord, provoke a response in us. Be quick to restore. You see someone broken? I don't say, well, as long as you're down there, let me step on you. I'll get up a little higher. No, we're quick to restore. We lift up the broken. Then Matthew 5 and 44. Listen, this is really hard. I'm sure this is some things that are going on in Ukraine right now. Love your enemies. I guarantee you the church in Ukraine is praying for Russia. Guarantee you without fail. They're loving their enemy through prayer. Love your enemies. Do good to those who use you. What? Seriously? Do good to those who take advantage of you. Do good to those who abuse you. Mistreated you. Doesn't mean you're going to be their best friend. You're just not going to be hateful toward them. You're not going to repay evil with evil. You're going to repay evil with good. You just need to find the grace of God to do that. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 says this of us. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling others to God, reconciling others to ourselves, reconciling others to amongst themselves to people that they've broken relationship with. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. It can only happen by mercy. Merciful people will build up the broken, strengthen the weak, bless the poor, love those that the world has tossed away. Church at Living Water, God's calling you to a new day that you'd begin to see around you people who need uh, an expression of mercy in the name of Jesus. By the power of Jesus, there's going to be some people in this city that are healed because you laid hands on them and commanded healing in their body. There's going to be some people in this city who come to Jesus because you, through mercy, love them into the kingdom, put your arm around them and told them that there is a better way. Come and walk with me. Follow me as I follow Christ. I love you because Jesus loves you. Not because you're so lovable, because I'm not so lovable. I love you because Jesus loved you. So let the bowels of our compassion be opened. Oh, when you go and you pray over the schools, when you're walking the streets of our city, when you're going into these places, let a compassion come that moves you to prayer. And when it moves you to prayer, if there's some action that God wants you to take, he'll speak to you of those actions and he'll lead you in those things. Oh, that your compassion and mercy would be full. Because God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for us, while we were still his enemies, died for us.
caused us to be seated in his presence in heavenly places. Let's stand together and let's just lift up our hands to the Lord. Let's just say, Lord, would you work this out in me? Would you just work in me right now? Change my attitude, change my heart, change things in me that need to change. Oh, Lord, where I am looking the other way when I should be looking with compassion, but I turn my head away. Would you forgive me and move in me with a spirit of mercy? God, when I see needs that I could meet, but I'm not moved with your mercy and compassion toward them. Do something that changes me, that makes me look like you. Help us, Father, across every spectrum of life. From the highly educated to the uneducated, from the highly successful to those who are broken and living in our streets. Lord, there is a work of mercy to be done and there are people who are broken. Lord, even in the palaces, in the high places of the earth, there are broken people at every level of life that need the love of Jesus. Help us find our way to there.